0: It's me, Roz. Today, I am joined by Mark Anthony. Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, Mark Anthony, who has a new book out. He's going to tell you all about it. It is called The Afterlife Frequency. Now, Mark Anthony is a psychic. A psychic. Here we go. All right. Every time I have on psychics, I'm just going to let you know. I'm fully aware. Every time I have on psychics... People love them, but I always get so, so many messages, so many comments, people telling me, I don't agree with that, and this psychic said this, and this other psychic said that, and it just always (laughs) happens, and um, so I thought I would address that here at the top. Every time I get approached to have a psychic on, or I look into different psychics, people like to recommend different psychics to come on the show, and and i'm always like well what's the uh you know what's their angle here what's their what's their approach how do they like to talk about this stuff because psychics don't get me wrong we want them to tell it like it is we want them to be very sure of their abilities and and we want to we want to trust them. you You have to trust a psychic, but they can also get very preachy. They can definitely contradict what other psychics or other um, people that are on this show have to say. And so when I first heard about Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, i I, I got his book. And at the time of recording this, it was a couple weeks ago. I had read about half of it or so. And I really liked that he does some research. He gets very scientific with psychic abilities. And he also adds really great stories in there as well. But he uses lots of scientific jargon. Some of it I understand. Some of it I might have had to Google. But nonetheless, uh, I like this approach. I find this something worthy of of delving into if you're interested in this topic. Now that being said, he does say a thing or two on the show today uh, that will contradict what um, other psychics or other people have said on the show. And here's here's my thoughts on that. Since it is my show, I I've always wanted this to be a place for people to share their experiences, share their beliefs. Of course, all of you are smart adults. You can make up your own minds. But it's interesting to hear other things, especially if you have an open mind. You can, you know, I don't know, hearing other people's ideas or their research. I think it's a great thing to, uh, to consume. But I also have this theory. Now, hear me out here. What if all of it is true? It's just different for different people i know it's like it sounds crazy but you know it's like you talk to a psychic and they say well when you die this happens and then you talk to another psychic and they're like no when you die this is what happens and this is how spirits communicate and you know or this is what a demon is and i don't know i think it's possible that all of those things can be true either either they all uh, are true and and they happen at different times in different ways or for different people. I'm not sure, but I think it's possible that it, it certainly could be, it could be all a thing. Cause I've talked to enough people that believe what they are saying and it makes me think, well, there's no way that they're all just lying to me. I don't know. But then you bring science into it and it's like, I, I can't argue with science. I don't know anything. But then it's like, well, but this stuff is kind of the unknown. It's paranormal. So maybe there are some things that science can explain. But maybe there are some that science can explain. I'm not sure. I don't know. Either way, all I know is I'm not interested really in arguing about the existence or the theories of of, of dead people remaining on Earth. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. So I hope you enjoy this conversation today. And if you want to hear a little bit extra, you could go to patreon.com slash Also link in this description of this episode. Uh, I ask mark about how do you know if a psychic is real (laughs) by his viewpoints of that situation and uh, he also tells me a little story about going to a site of mass tragedy and how that can manifest for somebody with his abilities and speaking of patreon next week is Thanksgiving, and it's become sort of a tradition here that I take Thanksgiving off because it falls on a Thursday, the show comes out on a Thursday. So I will not be doing a new episode here on this feed, but I will do one on patreon, patreon.com/. and um, I'll be joined by a friend. We'll talk about ghosts. We'll hear a story or two. We'll listen to EVPs. We'll do all that stuff. So if if next week you're like, oh, I just can't live without Raw's, Well, don't worry. You can go find me there and also enjoy all the other fun stuff I have on there every single week. All right. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. On with the show. You guys... I am joined by a man known as the Psychic Lawyer, the Psychic Adventurer, and he is also the author of the new book, The Afterlife Frequency. Please welcome Mark
1: Anthony. Hello. Thank you, Roz. Um, I'm um, honored to be here and I appreciate uh, you having me on your show.
0: I uh, am so honored that you're uh, able to fit me into your schedule. I mean, I heard your book has recently been called a bestseller.
1: It has. It it um, launched October 12th, which is a Tuesday. And within 24 hours, I heard not only had it hit bestseller status on Amazon, but that it has also been submitted for a Pulitzer Prize. And I mean, you know, for for an author, and then Captain Kirk went into space yesterday. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure this week can get any better.
0: <laughs>
1: well, how
0: how else are you doing? How how's it been? You know, being a a psychic, and you know, with the year that we've had, and now we're coming back a little bit. How's how's that been for you? It, well,
1: you know, when when COVID hit. Uh, I was just getting ready to start my 2020 nationwide tour. And then obviously, you know, we all had to put everything on hold. And instead of, you know, I, I'm a firm believer. My mom was of Italian descent that when you get lemons, you, you make Italian lemon ice. And so that's what I decided to do. And I made sure that my book was finalized. Uh, my publisher, New World Library, got it um. Uh, Um, got it published, obviously just came out. I started doing my own show, The Psychic and the Doc on Transformation Network every Thursday with Dr. Pat Vasily, who is just amazing. And so through the miracle of technology, I'm on shows like yours and able to do other events. So instead of hopping on a plane every two weeks, I'm hopping on Zoom every other day or every day, pretty much. Where are you? Well, I I bounce back and forth between Southern California and East Coast Central Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, I'm in Florida. And uh, let me tell you, this time of year, it just starts getting really nice.
0: Mm, I bet. Well, let's talk about you as the psychic lawyer, the psychic adventurer. I mean, you've got quite the biography. I guess, simplest, you know, basic question, What, what, what is, this is a question I, every time I talk to a psychic, I still don't know, maybe you can help me with the right way to ask this question, because I feel, I don't know, like condescending or something asking this, but like, how do your abilities manifest or, you know, you know what
1: I mean? Sure, uh, absolutely. And actually you asked it uh, perfectly. Well, the thing is, Roz, being a psychic medium, see, a psychic tunes into the energy of a person, place, or thing. All right. Whereas a medium tunes into the energy of a third party, meaning a spirit. And this is in my DNA. Both my parents had these abilities. It runs in my family for generations. I've tracked it back into the 1890s on both sides of the family. And yeah, and and my family could not possibly, the two sides of my family could not possibly have been uh, more different. My mother's family emigrated from Italy and There's a lot of mediums and psychics throughout the the family, and it was looked at as a a gift from God, a vision of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in uh, 2016, PBS did a special called The Italian Americans, and they did an entire segment on my maternal great-grandmother, Giovanna, and they referenced her psychic abilities. And she was known as the woman who knew things. And so in, yeah, in Little Italy and North New Jersey Italian communities, she was revered and actually respected. And, you know, all kinds of people would come to her for her wisdom or guidance. She also used to take care of young nuns. Um, Even officials in the Catholic Church would meet with her. And then my mom inherited this ability. Well, meanwhile, on the other side of the family, my dad's family, uh, they're a group of very waspy Pennsylvanians. In fact, my great-great-grandfather on that side of the family founded the Baptist Church in their oh, town. Wow. So my dad, his sister Marjorie, his mother Grace, and his... Um, excuse me, his mother, Isabel, and his uh, maternal grandmother, Grace, were all mediums, but they had to keep it real hush-hush. I mean, we're talking small town Pennsylvania, and um, my dad said he figured out everything one Thursday afternoon. He said that his mom and his sister, Marjorie, and his grandmother said the ladies were over for bridge. Well, he was listening through the door in the parlor, and he says, they weren't doing bridge, they were doing readings, and uh, But if, if you'll indulge me for a minute, I was about three and a half years old and I start seeing spirits. Now it's not unusual for a toddler to to have invisible friends, but when mommy and daddy can see them, oh my that god, that changes <laughs> yeah, yeah, that changes the whole time. Yeah. And I remember my mom going, Oh, he's got it, and my dad going, Oh, he's got it. Uh- <laughs> because dad was a navy SEAL and uh, after after he was in the navy he he became a nasa engineer and i, I love when my parents were telling me how they met um, dad was at a dance. It was a USO dance or some, some type of military dance. And he goes, You know, he, he's all full of himself, just fresh out of the Navy. And he says, I see this foxy dame. That's how he's <laughs> talk, you know. <laughs> and it was my mom. And he thought that she was older because she was like decked out to the nines. Well, mom was a fashion designer and worked at a, a department store called Kresge's. And so mom said, Well, yeah, I got the employee discount on all the, the clothes and the jewelry. So dad said, you know, he went up and they just had this immediate connection, you know, and it was more than just that, hey, baby, you know, it was like there was something. And so after a couple of dates, my mother said to, to my dad, her name is Jeannie. His name is Earl. She goes, Earl, I got to tell you something. Uh, I see spirits. And my dad goes, oh, my God, I do, too. <gasps> Now, so when people, yeah. when you have abilities
0: like this, I know it's different for different people, but for you, can you tell if somebody has it?
1: Yeah, um, um, I don't want to be presumptuous, but, um, you know, uh, friends of mine that that talk about that are gay, that talk about gaydar. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it's sort of like psychic dar, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, we can generally pick up on that. Um, because that, that's part of what we do, is we're sensitive to vibration, energy, and frequency. And so here I am, I'm three and a half, I'm seeing spirits, and my dad uh, sat me down, he says, Mark, you are not to talk about this to anybody except your mother and I. Now, when I was three and a half, I was like, okay, whatever. And then I was four, I almost died, I had a, a near-death experience. But let's fast forward to when I was five years old. I'm getting ready to start school and not just school, but Catholic school, you know, cause I was raised in the Catholic faith. Um, but we weren't real hardcore about it. You know, when your parents see dead people you know, our dinner conversations <laughs> included discussions of Jesus, Buddha, you know, Krishna, I mean, it was, it was pretty cool now that I look back on it. You know, I always tell people that I always resonated more with like the Adams family than I did the Brady bunch. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but the thing is, I remember my dad saying, Mark, people who see things that others don't get taken away. You only talk about this to your mother and I. Mm. Well, that scared me. And it took years before I figured out why he said that. About 20 years before I was born. So my parents didn't expect me. I, I was the, their youngest. They had three kids. I was the youngest. And I was a surprise. And... Um, His sister Marjorie, very gifted psychic medium, very sensitive woman, and unfortunately she was married to this religious nut, uh, excuse me, a um, zealous religious uh, fanatic, (laughs) and um, yeah, and one day he was getting ready to go to work and he was a machinist who worked at a steel plant in Pennsylvania, And so he's getting ready to go to work and and Marjorie throws a fit and she goes, you're not going. Something horrible is going to happen. And she goes, I got this terrible feeling and they got in a big argument. And He goes, fine, fine. You and that voodoo stuff, I'll stay home. Well, what happened, Roz, is that day at the steel plant, this crane was lifting thousands of pounds of steel beams and the cable snapped and it crushed. It fell on the machine shop and crushed it and killed everybody in it. So if he had been there, there's like a 99.9% chance he would have been in the machine shop at the time and died. Now, you would think he'd be grateful, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, it scared him, so he found an unscrupulous psychiatrist. They had Marjorie diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic, forcibly removed from her home, and involuntarily subjected to electroshock therapy over a period of six months. They damaged her brain so much that she never again talked about seeing spirits. And my parents were enraged by this. My mother said she wanted never to see her brother-in-law. She used to call him that filth. And so here I am getting ready to go to school. And my dad, he wasn't being mean to me, Roz. He wanted to protect me because that's the type of guy he was. And now I understand this because in those days, and especially before I was born, people didn't understand this. It wasn't discussed openly. I mean, it was in the 19th century. Isn't that bizarre? During the golden age of spiritualism, like um, First Lady Mary Todd Lincoln uh, was really big into um, readings with mediums to communicate with. She lost two little boys, and then her husband, obviously Abraham Lincoln, was assassinated. And what a lot of people don't know is that she used to write to Queen Victoria because Queen Victoria um, lost her, her her the love of her life, Prince Albert, and she also used to consult with mediums, so there was this whole, you know, surge in spiritualism and mediumship between the middle of the 1800s, which sort of um, declined in the 1930s. So, but that doesn't mean that we went away. It's, it's, you know, it just was something that was prevalent. So that's why, like in my family, um, it was kept quiet. We talked about it among ourselves, and I'm the first one that's gone public with it.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny, like how you said about gaydar, there, there is a lot of parallels with with queerness. And I imagine that you at some point had to come out about being a psychic, right?
1: Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm sure you probably
0: <laughs> have to often, probably to this day, you meet someone, you know, in an airport lounge or something, and maybe it comes out, you know, it's like, it's probably something that you're constantly explaining
1: Yeah. Yes. What happened was, gosh, I mean, I have so many stories, but I was working for a government agency, and um, my boss's political enemies found out that I was a medium, and they leaked it to the press. And so there I was. I was on TV. You know, I remember they showed up. I was working at a courthouse as head of court operations, and. Uh, the media and, uh, you know, they weren't very nice. And the the, the newspapers were saying the county's hired a medium. Uh, uh, you know, and the thing is, I was hired because I, I manage people, I manage law firms. I was hired because of my skills. Okay. And it is it is a parallel. It's like saying the the county hired a gay person. Well, it's like they didn't hire that person because they're gay. They hired that person because they are competent. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Right, right. Yeah. So they're trashing me in the news and all this. And my mom had already passed. And I remember I went to see my dad. And I said, dad, I, I don't, uh, this is like really intense. And and you know, Roz, dad came up to me and he put his hands on my shoulders. And he looked me in the eye and he said, Mark, hold your head high. You know who you are. You know what you are. You know what you can do. Have faith in yourself. And all those other people, tell them to pack sand. <laughs> so that's how (laughs) that's how i came came out of the psychic closet (laughs) oh my god
0: wow well it's amazing that you had that support of of a family that understood that I, i mean that's it seems that there is a lot of um psychics that have it in their bloodline I guess I don't hear it often from both sides, though. That's pretty incredible that they found each other.
1: Well, um, I'm a I'm a science based evidential medium, and you're reading you know you, you're reading my book, and there's uh, I'm explaining the different forms of spiritual contact on the basis of science, and what I have seen is that sci- psychic and mediumistic abilities are what's known as a recessive genetic trait. In other words, a dominant genetic trait would be like being right handed. 90% of the people in the world are right handed, 10% are left handed, okay, because it's genetic. That's the same thing with uh, spirit, spirit, um, spirit, the ability for spirit communication. And, but when you have two parents with the same recessive trait, then it dramatically increases the likelihood of one or more of their children having these abilities. Mm. And that is what happened to me. Do you have siblings? I do. I have an older brother, older sister, and they're not mediums, but <laughs> but um, my brother has this uncanny ability to predict uh, future events. I remember I was talking to him on the phone one day and he goes, man, I got this really bad feeling that my son, something's going to happen to him, like he's going to get cut or something. And then all of a sudden I hear in the back, I go, dad, dad, I just, I'll uh, had when I was working with a saw, you know, and it's like within within seconds, he goes, "Gotta go." And his son had been working outside with a saw, and it slipped and slid his palm open. And my brother was saying, like just moments before it happened, and and he, you know, he was inside, and his, his boy was outside, that that was going to happen. So so I mean, this is just the way. I grew up. I mean, this was around me all the time.
0: Are you one of these people that believes that we're all kind of psychic? It's just a matter
1: of tuning in and, you know, that kind of a thing? Yes, we are. The thing is, Roz, everybody can have a psychic or mediumistic experience. That doesn't mean that everyone is a psychic or a medium. In other words, you and I can swim but that doesn't mean we're going to be winning gold medals in the Olympics for swimming. You and I can both do math, but we're not going to end up being a Stephen Hawking or Elon Musk. It's just that we're all simply good at different things. Some people have a greater proclivity for this. That being said, um, I was trying to figure out how do I explain for people who are non-mediums, how to get the most out of an experience when it happens to them. So, I'm working on my computer. I'm, I'm working on the book. This is about a year and a half ago. And I just keep hitting a brick wall. I had the dreaded writer's block. So I figured, well, let me go for a walk. You know, I, I got up and I went to go, I wanted to go for a walk on the beach because I live near the ocean. And I'm, I'm heading down my driveway. And all of a sudden I get these cold chills and tingles. And I said, okay, something's going on here. And I did an about face and decided I was directed to go walk on this bike path near my house. So I'm walking on the bike path. It's about 11 in the morning. And I see these two things shining in the sun. I walk up to them. And it's a nickel and a penny. So I bend over to pick them up and, you know, but my parents to pass and I hear my mom's voice. If their head's down, don't touch them. It's bad luck. And I'm laughing because my mom's family, they're Italian, and they had a superstition for all occasions, mm-hmm. you know? Like, don't cross your silverware. Don't walk under a ladder. Watch out. Don't walk. The black hat's going to cross. You know, they had all those things, you know? And then I hear dad's voice. It's money. Grab it. So I'm laughing, you know? And I pick up these coins, and I'm, and I'm looking at them. I go, oh, six cents. And all of a sudden, six cents. Ah. Uh... Then the chills resonated through my body. The chills are uh, um, my body's electromagnetic response to the energy of a spirit's electromagnetic field interfacing with my brain's electromagnetic field and my uh, central nervous system's electrical field. So that's why a lot of people think spirit contact is spooky because it's the same sensation in the flight or fight response. But I know better. And I'm getting these chills, and then all of a sudden I see in my mind's eye an image of my father standing in the ocean, and he's holding this blue canvas raft that he used to have. And I'm thinking, okay, he was a Navy SEAL, he was a scuba diver, he was a swimming instructor, and then it hit me, raft, recognize, accept, feel, trust, That was it. That was exactly what my parents' spirits were trying to tell me. I run back to to my office. The words just fly out of me. wrote 10 uh, paragraphs. And so that's why in the afterlife frequency, I introduced the raft technique. And this is something anyone can do. It teaches you how to recognize the signs from spirits. Accept the contact is real. Feel it. This is the important one. Feel, don't think, feel without fear. And then that leads to trusting the message. And so in the afterlife frequency, I teach readers the four-step raft technique and how to apply it. And the beauty of this is that it just isn't for signs like that. It could be, I had a near-death experience. How do I make sense of it? A loved one of mine was dying and before he or she was dying uh, they kept talking about seeing spirits and i felt that i saw them too i had a dream and my deceased you know my, my mom came and talked to me and it felt real so the rafted technique is how to recognize these signs from spirits accept the reality of it feel it without fear and then trust in the message and I explain, you know, different techniques how to enhance what I call your spiritual situational awareness, so that anybody can can enjoy and get the maximum benefit out of contact from spirits.
0: Okay, as you're talking, I'm thinking about something where I've been reading your book. I I, I read about that part uh, about the raft technique, and and I um. I can't say that I w- I was exactly using it in this moment but the, I'm the craziest thing happened and I didn't even realize it was crazy until you're talking. Last night I'm like going to bed and you know I'm kind of almost sleeping and I kind of just I don't know if it's sort of that dream you know you're almost in that dream state and I I hear the alpha state. Yeah. I hear <laughs> this is terrible. The sound of a dog like getting hit by a car. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, a, like a, no. that kind of a sound. And, no, I understand. Yeah. And I'm sitting here going, what Roz, why don't, as I'm laying next to my adorable dog, like why, why would I get that horrible sound in my head? So then this morning I'm walking my dog, I'm half asleep. He's all hyper. And he starts, we walk by this dog uh, that's in a yard behind a cage and the dog starts going crazy, which makes my dog go crazy. And as my dog, and I'm pulling my dog and he's running or whatever, and I've got him on a leash. And all of a sudden, I have earbuds in also. I was listening to a podcast and I didn't even hear this car zoomed by and was like inches away from my dog running into the car. And I had pulled him just in time. Do you think that something was connected there?
1: You bet. <laughs> Ab-so-freaking-lutely, and you instinctively employed the raft technique. And see, that's that's how this works. Once you start getting used to it, then it becomes second nature. You know, because it's not like, okay, there's a spirit. Um, I had this dream in the alpha state. All right, let me, re- you know, it's like recognize, accept, feel, trust, boom, boom, boom. You know, it just happens like that. And the thing is, because what you just described is what I call spirit intervention, you received a message when you were in the alpha state in that uh, it's sort of that relaxed state right before you drift into sleep. And then the following morning you were in a scenario where, wait a second, it's sort of like deja vu um, because it is and you reacted properly. Very good, Roz. Well done.
0: Oh my God. Do you think that uh, developing these techniques, um, does it help in, like, the workforce or, you know, did, ha, from your experience as you were getting into, you know, a professional life, do you think that it it helped you, you know, as a psychic lawyer, for example?
1: Oh, heck yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's another tool in your skill set. Um, I give a lecture called um, Intuition is the Key to Success, you know, How to Rely on Gut Feelings. And women, you know, women talk about women's intuition and any guy that's involved with a woman knows that, you know, don't overrule her women's intuition. But then on the flip side of the coin, when it comes to men, let's talk about gut instinct, you know, gut instinct. That's very Harrison Ford and Denzel and Chris Pratt. And but the thing is, when you talk to any first responder, anybody in the military and see that comes to my dad, you know, you find a Navy SEAL, you find a, a Marine force recon, uh, you find uh um, and anyone that is a, a ranger in the army, uh, or any, any military personnel, any, any first responder, they'll all tell you about situational awareness and trusting your gut. And so it's the same thing. It's just explained in different contexts. And for me, it always came in very helpful when I was practicing law. Uh, My concentration now is on this and as a near-death experience researcher, as a lecturer, paranormal investigator, uh, although I appear on shows like this one and others as a legal analyst in uh, high-profile cases. And it's very important to have a honed sense of spiritual situational awareness. I was trying a jury trial once as a defense attorney. uh, and prior to to the trial starting, you have to select a jury, so the judge you know brings in or you know they they bring in the prospective juror members and there's maybe maybe a dozen, dozen to twenty people, and so the prosecution they get to ask each of the individual prospective jurors uh, a question, questions to see about bias and prejudice, and then the defense gets to ask questions. You know, Roz, I kept getting pulled to this one woman. And I kept feeling a tightness in my throat, like something was choking off my, my, my breathing. And so then it was my turn to ask questions to the, the jury or the prospective jury. We call them the venire. And uh, I'm standing there. And so I, I said to her, I said, have you or has anyone in your family ever been the victim of a violent crime? the tears start flowing from her eyes and she looks up to me and she's trembling. And she said, a year ago, my sister was in a foreign country when an escaped mental patient strangled her, dismembered her body and wow. threw her in the trash. Like she was garbage. Oh my God. And I'm standing there and I'm seeing this female energy next to her. And like, you can hear a pin drop in a courtroom, which is like very unusual. And, and, um, And I'm like, all I'm thinking is, God, they didn't teach me in law school what to do with this. And even the prosecutor was a real loudmouth, belligerent, you know, jerk, (laughs) couldn't think of anything to say. And all of a sudden I got the message and I said, well, if your sister was here, maybe she'd tell you that no news was good news. And she goes, oh, my God, that's something that we used to say to each other all the time. Then, objection, you know, and the prosecutor's like, you know, jumping off the, you know, and the judge goes, let's just get on with it. Let's just get on. You know, I love these judges that, that, you know, fail to make a legal ruling. Let's just get on with it. Um, but when the trial was over, I remember the woman coming to me and just saying, Thank you so much. She goes, I'm not exactly sure what happened or what you saw, but I really needed that.
0: You know, we've talked on this show about um, a couple of cases where they've tried to talk about demonic possession or, you know, that sort of a thing that gets dismissed in court. And I'm wondering if you know of examples of. Times where like a medium was, you know, uh, interviewed or you know anything like that.
1: Th- that's a good question, but and I'm glad that you brought that up. See, psychics and mediums um, were used a lot behind the scenes in investigations. But let me address the first part of your question: Is that let's say somebody is accused of murder and they're claiming that they're possessed by the devil, okay, or a demon or whatever. First off, um, it always puts a judge in a quandary because you can't make a ruling saying that there's devils or demons because that violates the First Amendment um, separation of church and state. But let's look at it from a strictly legal perspective is demonic possession is actually a form of mental illness. That's the way the legal system looks at it. And there is a, a concept known as the McNaughton rule. And the McNaughton rule is whether or not uh, the defendant is mentally competent to appreciate the charges levied against him or her. Now, obviously, somebody that thinks you know they got devils running around in their head um, is not uh, considered competent. So, from that perspective, we don't worry so much about whether or not they're possessed. It's more, are they competent? Now, as as I explain in all of my books, particularly in the afterlife frequency, I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in the devil. I don't believe in demons. Um, We don't need a jerk with a pitchfork running around sticking us in the butt to motivate us to do horrible things. That's the human ego. Mm -hmm. And think about it whenever you do something that's cruel or unkind to another person, You're acting out of a narcissistic, self as center of the universe meaning perspective. You're not acting out of love or consideration or compassion for the other person. And I look at the human ego as edging God out. But people need to personify this negative force, and it's easier to, to blame it on some mythical creature and we spend the rest of um, the, the interview you know, talking about hell, but that's something that I, that I cover in the afterlife frequency. But behind the scenes, see, psychic intuition cannot be admitted in court because that would violate the hearsay rule. Hearsay is an out-of-court statement offered to prove the truth of the matter asserted. And the standard for getting around hearsay is whether or not there's a recognized exception, or that if information can be cross-examined. Well, obviously we can't put a spirit on the stand and say, "So, spirit, you would have us believe that on the 24th, <laughs> you know, you can't do that." Okay. So, but what we can do is we can give the the police, the investigators, um, this information that we get that will lead them on the trail, so that they can find admissible evidence. So we're kind of a behind the scenes thing. and yes, I, I have been used for that.
0: Okay, interesting. So so you don't believe in demons, none of that. and no, nothing um, beyond human energy.
1: Oh, no, the other side. There's lots of non-spiritual uh, human intelligence. I just don't believe that there is a central command of evil run by a James Bond villain. Going, right. <laughs> okay. you know, that—that's just—it's such nonsense. Um, and I know there's lots of people that'll be listening to this, and you know, it's amazing because uh, religious uh, religious fanatics love hell because everyone except them is going to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and and uh, but but I explain why. Um, I believe that, and it's based on science in the afterlife frequency.
0: Do you talk to animals? Or you know, can you communicate with animals?
1: I, I I can and I do. See, it's only human arrogance to assume that we're the only ones that have souls. And in in the afterlife frequency, I introduced the concept that I call the electromagnetic soul. And we know from faith that people of faith believe that the soul, the who and what we are, pre-exists the body, comes into the body, and then when the body dies, moves on. We know that the brain has an electrical field, um, a very sophisticated and complex one, and we know that it uh, is, is an electromagnetic field, it's a quantum quantum energy. And that from the laws of thermodynamics and physics, we know that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. Neuroscience is the study of the human brain. And neuroscientists believe or theorize that consciousness, who and what we are, is the result of chemical reactions and electronic impulses within the brain, but they are completely unable to explain how. And if you look at a neuroscience book, there's like a thousand pages on functions of the brain, but maybe a paragraph, maybe two, about consciousness. Why? Because they can't explain it. And that's because the brain doesn't create consciousness. The brain doesn't create your soul. It's pure electromagnetic energy. So the electromagnetic soul is what we really are, pure consciousness that is eternal electromagnetic energy. And so I introduced this term and uh, the scientist who uh, wrote the foreword for my book, Dr. Gary Schwartz, who's head of parapsychology, psychology, physics, surgery, um, at the University of Arizona and one of the foremost afterlife researchers in the world said, Mark, I love it. He said, I've been working on a term like this called the electromagnetic dynamical mind brain. he goes, it's better what you said. Electromagnetic soul, that, <laughs> that that's what it is. Let's call it the EMS for short. And so now scientists have started using my term electromagnetic soul, AKA the EMS. And animals have them. <laughs> so yes, and, and animals can communicate.
0: Well, you know, since this show is called "Ghosted," what is your understanding of the the term "ghost"?
1: There's three schools of thought on on ghosts. One is that it's a spirit who doesn't know they're dead and they're trapped between this world and the other side. And on the record, I will say, and I know this is going to tick off a lot of paranormal investigators and some of my uh, colleagues, that is. Unadulterated nonsense. An electromagnetic soul, as soon as it leaves the body, knows it is an eternal living being, and then it reconnects with a higher vibration known as the afterlife frequency. The second school of thought is that, um, particularly in places where there were tremendous traumas, that a spirit may return to a particular location. Now, that one I think is more plausible. And then the third, is that a, quote unquote, haunting or a ghost is no more a sentient spirit than your reflection is you in a mirror. And what's actually going on here is that everything has a vibrational frequency. We know this from quantum physics, that everything from the most basic subatomic particle of quanta all the way up to the nuclear reactions in the sun have a a frequency a vibration and matter retains vibration and i've been at uh, some pretty intense places
0: have you done like formal paranormal investigations
1: absolutely um in in several locations um and i'd like to tell if i can if, if, if you don't mind me indulging you in a in a story if you'd indulge me please um i was at the um the Stanley Hotel. Oh. Uh, yes. Estes Park College. Yeah, yeah. I know you know about that one. Classic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, but what happened to me there was a little bit different. And I mean, I could talk about the uh the investigation there where we encountered an elemental. And so we're in a cavern, the uh the cave beneath the Estes, um, Estes Park. And the investigator there, he had the K2 meter, EVP, all that stuff set up and and so we're all looking at it and there's about a dozen of us there. And all of a sudden everything starts going off the charts. And uh, my manager, Rocky, she was with me and she turns around. She goes, you know, cause every one of those scary movies, everyone's in a cave and they're all looking one way. And then the monster comes up behind, them. <laughs> you know, she said, so I thought I'd turn around and she goes, Oh my God. And we all turn around and there's this undulating green light it was like the silvery green light, and it was like shimmering along the wall behind us wow. in this cavern. And um, and there was a guy there that was with us, and he works for Disney, and he works in special effects. He goes, uh, we can't do this. He goes, this this is not something that, that can be projected because he was looking around and goes, no, this isn't being projected. So I decide I'm going to walk into it. So I start walking towards it. And then, you know, Roz, I'm thinking, you know, here I am, Mr. Brave, you know, psychic lawyer, psychic explorer. And then I start thinking, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Okay. <laughs> but then I heard my mom's voice and she said, don't worry, Mark, I'm here.
0: Aww. And
1: so i walked into this green light and it enveloped me and it was female. It was an elemental which is an energy, a non-human spiritual intelligence that is more aligned with like plants and the earth and animals. And I remember when I was in England at at this one location with a bunch of mediums and they said there was this uh, one forest that there was a fairy there. And I remember going and encountering that energy, and it felt very similar. And then I remember I've encountered this type of energy in Japan and the Shinto religion there, the, the uh, indigenous Japanese religion, they refer to these as the Kami, the K A M I. That's where the word kamikaze comes from. And so I, and then when I was in Hawaii, the metahune, and it's like, wait a second. I've encountered this type of entity before, and it wasn't evil or scary. And of course, now everybody in this cabin is like screaming and stuff, and I'm like, "Calm down, it's female." And then all of a sudden, it 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 left me, and it enveloped the the uh, paranormal investigator. And he goes, "It's it's all over me." I go, "Stop, stop!" I go, "She's curious. Why you're so curious about her? You're investigating her." Now she's checking you out. He goes, "Really?" And I go, "Yeah." And and it wasn't frightening at all. It was it was fantastic. It was amazing. And what's really cool is that the Stanley Hotel has its own paranormal investigation team. Mm. And I remember, like, three of them came up to me and they go, "Mark," they said, "Every one of these conventions here, they want to turn this uh, into devils, demons, scary stuff, and you're the only." investigator who has identified it and your observations correlate with our studies these things aren't evil they're not demons or devils they appear to be non-human spiritual intelligence and you called it an elemental and that's what we call it
0: so how how do you rationalize that scientifically a, a spirit from nature
1: well, it is an electromagnetic soul, just on a different frequency. It's a non-human spiritual intelligence, but the Stanley story gets better. Um, the best friend that I ever had, I met when I was 11 years old, Billy. We, um, in, he's in chapter one of the afterlife frequency. And we went to junior high, high school, college together. After college, he went to Asia and he learned to speak Japanese, Thai, Indonesian and Cantonese. And I went to law school. And then at one point he said, hey, come to Asia. So I took like two months off, went to Asia and had all these adventures in in, uh, Japan. And then we went to Southeast Asia uh, together and we had this ongoing discussion about God and the afterlife. And he said that even though we'd both been raised in the Catholic faith, he was an atheist. I, of course, argued the other side. And, uh, you know, I said that, no, there is something. I remember him saying, I don't know how you do that psychic thing. He goes, it, he, "He goes, you get me thinking that maybe there is something. But we had this ongoing debate. And, you know, Roz, one of the greatest honors of my life is a couple years after that, he and his bride-to-be, he met this beautiful woman from Japan. They asked me to perform their wedding ceremony, you know, because I was a notary public. And, and Roz, you know, I get choked up when I think about this. This was one of the happiest moments of my life. There I am performing the wedding ceremony for my best friend. My parents were there, his parents, all of our friends from college and, and that we grew up with. It was like, it doesn't get better than that. It really doesn't. Sadly, two years later, he was overcome and he always had issues with depression and he, he succumbed to suicide. And I remember getting the call from his wife on the phone and I was just devastated. So a year later, I'm at this same convention, this paranormal conference at the Stanley Hotel. I just finished giving my talk. And so I'm on the, on the convention room and I'm at my desk, uh, you know, my table signing books and Rocky, my manager, she's walking around looking at all the paranormal investigation equipment. And so she's walking by this one table man by this guy named Chris. And he had the spirit box and it's supposed to pick up, you know, voices by scanning the electromagnetic uh, frequency bands in radio. And and all of a sudden she's walking by it and she hears get Mark and she stopped and she looked (laughs) at it. And Chris goes, did that say get Mark? And then all of a sudden it goes, get Mark. And he goes, do you think? It means your are Mark, Mark Anthony. So all of a sudden I hear, Mark, Mark. And I look up and there's Chris and, and Rocky and they're like waving at me. And I go, but I'm signing books. They go, get here now. So I run over there, like what's going on? And this crowd's forming, you know, and I walk up and all of a sudden my heart stops because I hear, dude. And it's like, oh my God. And I looked at Rocky and tears are coming out of her eyes. She goes, that voice. And then I hear, love you, bro. It was Billy's voice and Rocky knew him and see, we grew up in the surf culture, surfing culture, East coast, central Florida. He always called me dude and bro. One of the last things he ever said to me at the Bangkok international airport, he was flying to Singapore and I was heading back to the States. He goes, I love you, bro. Like that. And it was his voice coming out of this. Wow. And she's in tears. I'm in tears. And the investigator, Chris, he's like, this is highly unusual. It named you specifically, Mark, and both of you can objectively identify that voice. It was his voice. And you know, Roz, you know, I'm the medium. I'm usually the one that's, you know, presenting stuff that, that, you know, uh, people get, you know, surprised or stunned by. And at first I was very overwhelmed, but then it got me thinking, wait a second, wait a second, this is once again, spiritual synchronicity. This wasn't some random fluke spirit coming by just to, to shock me. He was an atheist. He said there is no science, no technology to prove an afterlife. But what did his eternal electromagnetic soul choose to communicate with me? Technology, a scientifically created device. And that is got the wheels turning in my head. And that's, I said, there is a reason for everything. And that's one of the reasons that I wrote the afterlife frequency to explain to people how this happens, why this happens and where.
0: I really have, have enjoyed the book and I'm going to continue to read it and, and, I've read a number of books by different uh, psychics and a lot of times it's sort of this is what is this is what's up and that's how it is and I I appreciate th- that you go into scientific research and you've also got anecdotal evidence and different theories and and you make some good cases Mark you use a lot of big words that are beyond my knowledge, and, and it makes me, it gets my wheels turned in. And, uh, but it's readable. It is. You know, yeah. that,
1: that's the whole thing. Because, you know, yes, I mean, it's hard to talk about quantum physics and biology, <laughs> terminal lucidity, and near death experiences without using some of the, the technical terminology. But I learned from being an attorney. That you get, need to take a complex concept and then put it into language that people can understand and then illustrate it with, with a fast-moving story or a very gripping story. Right. So the spoiler alert for, for your listeners is don't expect a dry technical treatise. You know, It kind of reads like a juicy novel because, you know, Roz, when I was in, in law school, I remember having to trudge through the most boring books imaginable and then getting into the practice of law and reading these opinions written by judges who, I don't know if they drank liquid cement for breakfast, but I mean, it was just like a nightmare trying to, to wade through this stuff. So when I write, I want people to be educated, entertained, and leave them with something to ponder.
0: Yes, that's what I try to do here too. You know, we give a little bit of humor, we give some stories, and then- slip in some people that like you that have got some uh you know you've done you've done some of that work and, and you can really open our minds to the possibilities of of actual uh you know research and and uh you know it's all explainable yeah
1: it's well, all explainable my, one of my favorite things just a matter of time. one of my
0: favorite things i read in the book is you saying um like you make the comparison that in, say, the 20s, the idea of a cell phone would have been considered pseudoscience and, and fantasy. Sure. And so there still is a lot that, you know, I think I mean, what do you, what do you think it will take for the world at large to believe in in this kind of stuff?
1: Well, I was in Dr. Gary Schwartz's laboratory where he was uh, showing me the soul phone, which he's developing technology to communicate directly with spirits. And unfortunately, I am not at liberty to disclose what I have seen, but it's coming. It's coming. What? We're going to be able to call our, our deceased loved ones? That seems to be what's going to happen. But you know, look at it this way. Like you just said, like what I point out in the book, the idea of a cell phone in 1920 that you can pick up, take a device out of your brain. And actually, it was Nikola Tesla who said that with advances in telephony and television, which were strictly theoretical at those times, he said the entire world will be transferred into a universal brain. And we will not only be able to hear, but be able to see each other. And the device will be small enough to fit in a man's breast pocket. Wow. Now, Nikola Tesla was definitely, um, he was sort of an Elon Musk, uh, um, Leonardo da Vinci of his time. Absolutely brilliant, uh, brilliant man. It's funny because I understand on um, Big Bang Theory, they modeled Sheldon after, uh, after Nikola Tesla. Um, uh, because he was like overbearing, annoying, critical, but uh, this incredible genius. But the thing is, he was able to foresee that technology would get to the point where we can just carry a device in our hand and talk to somebody in China. Whereas in 1920, that was unthinkable. So just because we don't have the technology now doesn't mean that we won't. And I remember when I was eight years old, I was looking at the stars with my father, the NASA engineer. And we were talking about infinity because we always had these really heavy duty conversations. And he said to me, he said, Mark, there is no such thing as a mystery. There's only questions for which we do not yet have the answer. And if enough money, research, and time is spent on something, we will have those answers. He said, even if our science and our technology right now can't prove it or discover it, it can eventually. And think about what the great astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson said, the beauty of science is that you don't have to believe it for it to be true.
0: Right. Um, But this kind of makes me think about like what you were saying about the different ideas of ghosts and how some you believe are not true. So, But could they be
1: proven to be true? I think they're more likely to be proven. What I'm indicating is that it's a residual energy echo that people who are psychically sensitive or people who are just like yourself, not necessarily a psychic, but open to the vibration and the frequency. And that's why one... Um, That's the problem with a lot of these paranormal investigators. They go into a situation with a preconceived notion that it's haunted, that there's demons and devils and all this. And, you know, you see it on TV. They shake around night vision goggles and everybody screams and runs around. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, you need to apply the scientific method, which is you analyze an area, you compile the data. You don't jump to conclusions until you've compiled the data and then objectively analyze it. And that's a proper form of investigation instead of going, all right, we're going here and it's haunted and it's terrifying. And it's like, well, I've been to these places, they're so evil and haunted. And I'm like, no, it isn't at all. OK, it's a residual energy echo.
0: Well, wow. you've been so generous with your time. I so appreciate it. Uh, God, there's so many other questions I want to ask you. We'll have to do this again another time, because
1: <laughs> that, that would be. I would love to come back. Um, you're you're you know I enjoy your show. You're a great interviewer, and you, Roz. What I appreciate is you're so open-minded. Mm-hmm. Because there's a difference between a skeptic and a cynic. A cynic is closed-minded, but a skeptic is open-minded, may not believe, but wants to see the evidence. So I really want to thank you for, for having me on, on your podcast. And if I may, if people want to find out about uh, signing up for my newsletter, booking a private reading with me, which I do over the phone because you know, energy moves at the speed of light and uh, phone readings are just as accurate as in-person readings. Also, you can order my book through the website, but you can find it on Amazon and at all fine bookstores. My website is afterlifefrequency.com, just like my new book, The Afterlife Frequency. And Roz, once again, thank you so very much for having me on your show. It's been an honor.
0: Thank you. And congrats
1: on all the success with it. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much to Mark Anthony. Of course, go check out his book, The Afterlife Frequency. If you want to hear a little bit extra, go to patreon.com Roz rozdrezflez. And uh, I'll see you there next week, too, since I won't be doing an episode here. Hey, speaking of it being Thanksgiving, I'm so thankful for all of you, as you know. Uh, Please be subscribed to the show if you're not. Tell your friends about it. Rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you rate a show five stars. You could leave a nice review or you could leave a ghost story there. Or you could send one to ghostedbyroz at gmail.com or in our Facebook group called Ghosted by Roz Dresviles. Also, I've got my link to exclusive Ghosted merch in the description of this episode. Perfect for the holidays. I'm on Instagram at RozHernandez. Hernandez. And I love you all. Both living and dead. But if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay,
1: bye. A podcast network.